Welcome to Friend Gentlemen here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. There you have it. Travis Ryer from BamaOnline.com. I've known this man for almost 17, 18 years. That's a lot he was at Rivals. years to know you. <laughs> he was, well, we never actually like have, I think we've met like twice. So um, just stay away from me like long stretches of time. You'll be fine. Uh, so Travis Ryer from BamaOnline.com going to join us. Tell us what the hell's going on with the coordinator search. Uh, of course, Alabama turned down by Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator at Washington. And uh, I have, I've got lots of juicy details about this coordinator search. Oh, I've done some digging. True. But I'm not going to give that to you until after the interview at the very, very end. So I've got a couple of nuggets I'm going to save for all you wonderful folks who commit to the product and go all the way to the end of each episode to hear Aaron always, always, always get the last word. <laughs> Fast forward and die. On every single episode. You got to uh, not all... tell him where it is in the episode. Just tell him it's somewhere. It's later on. You got to go check it out. You Just listen to it. Just listen to the whole freaking show. It's a good show. I think we do. I think we do a good show. Um, so Travis Ryer going to tell us about this Bama roster, uh, the quarterback battle, which is going to be a big theme of the show today between uh, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. Of course, he's got some ideas on that as well. What the offense is going to look like, how good this team could be. Uh, and uh, again, are they were they two plays away from being undefeated good or were they like four plays away from being four loss bad? We, we don't know. And Travis is going to tell us. So Travis Ryer. Bama Online coming up in just a little while. I believe 24-7 Sports now uh, as part of that network. Um, uh, we also have to get to uh, – we're going to get to quarterback battles around the league. Uh, just sort of the a general first look at what could be taking place in spring practice over the course of the next few months for SEC teams. Obviously, National Signing Day this week, but uh, we'll look at the rosters and how everybody recruited next week when all the dust settles. Um, but we got to, we'll start with this Stetson Bennett stuff and we'll, uh, well, I guess we have to address it. I'm glad that we didn't have to address it like earlier in the week, Aaron. Right. I'm, glad I, I'm glad I had some time to think about this before everybody Are you really that distraught about loses it? their mind. Um, no, not at all, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, however, Fringe Element is a podcast about SEC football and it is brought to you by. It's brought to you by J.E. Dunn, the, is, the golden nugget of workplaces. <laughs> The golden goose. Ticket. The golden ticket. The golden ticket, goose, and nugget of, of workplaces in the it United is, States. Um, I now have two friends that are currently in the application process at J.E. Dunn. Mm. They both hate, hated their jobs, and they didn't want to hate their jobs anymore. <laughs> let's, let's not, let's not so use I'm, their names. <laughs> no, I won't. No, I won't. <laughs> because then they're going to realize that we <laughs> sent them, and they're going to be like, uh, let's send this person well, through an extra interview because of the crowd they keep. And uh, well, and what and what and what happened? Well, I'm, I'm more worried about like what happens if they decide maybe, hey, this is not what I want to do. Or Jay Dunn says, hey, you're not qualified. Not that you wouldn't have friends that weren't qualified. And then they have to go back to their old jobs after telling everybody on our show that they hate them. That's what I'm worried about. We, we yeah. want to change the names to protect all of the parties involved. Everybody change the names to protect the guilty. Yeah, including That's our right. own asses. For sure. Yeah, exactly. For no, sure. it's a, it's a great place to work. They have jobs all across the country. So if you want to change jobs and you want to change cities, you can do that. You or you could change jobs probably without changing cities, unless you live in the absolute middle of nowhere. <laughs> trying to think, um, Gadsden. Do they do they have an office in Gadsden, Alabama? I can tell you because their website's extremely user friendly. Do do they have a do they have 
Here, here's a couple That's of That's how de- you know if a website's easy to use. If you can get something during a podcast recording <laughs> quickly without someone else having to talk to themselves for forever, you know the website's easy to use. Here's some here for you because we know we got some listeners in Texas and for you, Texas folk, is there an office in Lufkin, Texas? You're just saying all the most random cities in Texas. Is there an office in Madisonville, Texas? Here we go. I can tell you. Is there an office in Savannah, Tennessee? I don't believe there's one in Savannah, Tennessee. Is there an office in Walla Walla, Washington? Is that for real? Is there an office in Frostproof, Florida? I can keep going. I wish you. I, these are all real places. <laughs> well, I was trying to research these specific cities. Um, every, every single one, real place. I'll let um, you know about Gadsden later in the show. Yeah, you can't go from Chattanooga to Birmingham without going right through Gadsden. I think the oh, home damn, of. There's even a map that tells you how many jobs are available in what city. Very interactive. Very wow. interactive. Uh, I believe Drake Kirkpatrick, five star corner out of Gadsden, Alabama. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I have to use the internet for that one. Okay. Um, real quickly here. Uh, I guess this was 6 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, Stetson Bennett is erect- arrested for public intoxication. Go to go jdun.com, by the way. Jdun, jdun.com. Great place to work. Stetson Bennett is arrested. And I like I, I know the internet's a bad place to get your opinions. I I, I totally <laughs> understand this and I get this. Fair sentence, I think. Not podcasts. Podcasts are great places to get uh, get your opinion. And basically, the 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 overreactions. Like, here's my here's here's I don't know, I don't even know where to start this. Okay. <laughs> my opinion, my opinion on Stetson Bennett being drunk and publicly intoxicated and arrested and spending like five hours in a drunk tank at 25 years old after winning two national championships and graduating like multiple times. I think he has like five college degrees. I don't know. Like my opinion is, is that I don't have an opinion. <laughs> like I'm, I could not be less faced by it. My my opinion is I don't care, and if every as long single as he wasn't he wasn't driving, so I don't care. Well, it's so funny. It's so funny. The, the the actual take here is like, thank God he's smart enough not to drive. Like that yeah. that is the take. It is like th- literally the Tennessee Titans here in Nashville. The Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator was arrested for DUI after beating the Packers on a Thursday night football game this so is year. The Tennessee, so was the Tennessee Secretary of State that signed my business license. That's <laughs> <laughs> mine too. <laughs> and he was coming back from Bonnaroo. Uh, <laughs> and Sorry, like, Trey. Hargett, that was bad. I shouldn't call him out. It's too late. Hargity? Har- Hargity? Uh, Haggerty? Uh, listen, st- like, if we were all judged on the worst or best moments of our lives, none of us would have jobs. Um, uh, if you think an NFL general manager, it, cause he's like projected, you know, like fringe, maybe best case scenario, third round pick, probably more like a sixth or seventh round pick. Maybe he creeps into the fourth or fifth round. And I've, and I've talked to a few talent evaluators that think, you know, he's, he's going to get drafted, but he's not going to get drafted as highly as, you know, two national championship rings and the efficiency metrics and all the other stuff. Right. If you're an NFL general manager and that affects your decision to draft him or not, then you probably just didn't think that highly of him as a prospect. I don't know how this is going to influence wouldn't. anything that you decide as an NFL GM in the draft. It wouldn't. And the only thing, there are very, very few things that make anyone that's related to the NFL think about 
anything besides money. And that's just not as, uh, that's just not poignant enough of an incident to change someone's mind if they feel like it's the right fiscal win-loss decision for their organization. It's just not. Now, teams do change what they're going to do based on people's criminal history, but a public intox for yeah. Setson Bennett yeah. without anyone, any real victims, and he didn't drive, is just not going to be enough. Now, it, the NFL is, is meritocracy. It's about wins and losses. And if, if you thought before public intox, Stetson Bennett could be good enough to make your team as a backup quarterback. Post. I don't know how I don't know how post public intox Stetson Bennett isn't. I don't I don't I don't I don't see the difference. It's all like having an opinion. Oh, NFL general managers aren't going to like him now. His decision making his decision making. You don't know anything about the NFL if you think that that those opinions were almost their Those opinions got old so fast. It's it's as bad as like the TCU defensive tackling jokes. Like, (laughs) you know, like because because the cops tackled him. And the joke, of course, instantly was, look, the Dallas-Fort Worth Police Department can tackle Stetson Bennett, but TCU can't, which, of course, is located in Dallas-Fort Worth. So, I like, that that, that joke, got, but it was funny for, like, half a second, and then right. it wasn't then funny it wasn't. anymore. And I just, the, your opinion should be, well, 25-year-olds who have the entire world by the short and curlies are going to celebrate every now and then. Don't make dumb decisions. Now, should he be knocking on doors? Oh. That's Probably the only not. part where you're like, that's pretty invasive. <laughs> but maybe he's just trying to find where he was staying. I don't know. You know, he's probably walking through the Highland, you know, the Dallas Country Club. He's probably in the fanciest neighborhood in Dallas. So I'm going to give him a pass. That's my final, final answer. Um, I'm going to say something that might get me in a lot of trouble here. Oh, yikes. So my family, my in-laws, my cousin-in-law had a, has, it was a rehearsal dinner at the Dallas Country Club. Which is like in the Highland Park area, I believe, which is like the nicest neighborhood in Dallas. And the Dallas Country Club is not it's like the Dallas Country Club. (laughs) That's the name. That's like the name of it. Yeah. It's not a Dallas Country Club. My significant other may or may not have uh, needed to pull the Uber, needed the Uber to pull over on the way home from said rehearsal dinner in the middle of the Highland Park neighborhood. To. um, Let's just say, make herself feel better. How about that? I on her on her birthday. <laughs> I highly doubt Haley signs up to hear your voice any extra than she does in real life. So I'm assuming she's probably not going to no, hear she this. Doesn't. She doesn't listen. But if she did, I don't know. Just bless her. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife did something stupid out of an Uber in the Highland Park neighborhood, which is where Stetson Bennett did something stupid. So again, mother, a wonderful mother of two who is a perfectly wonderful, awesome, successful, kind, loving, caring, exceptional human being, can also sometimes perhaps overserve themselves in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. That's all I'm saying. And and this is, That's again, all. coming from the guy who tore a hamstring whiskey drunk. <laughs> not I wasn't. No, no, no. She, it was, it was, we, we hadn't gotten to the whiskey yet. <laughs> There's no way you did. Oh, you did that sober? That's worse. No, no, no. There was a lot of champagne. There was like five oh, or six. Okay. There's like six or seven bottles of champagne with like I'm five over couples. Your technicalities. Well, champagne makes you like happy drunk. Whiskey makes you angry drunk. There's different, different, difference there. Um, either way, Stetson Bennett getting drunk, not a story. 
Not a story. <laughs> my wife, my wife vomiting out of an Uber, definitely a story. You're gonna double down and do that again. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Quarterback battles. Uh, Travis Ryer coming up. He's gonna give us some insight into the Alabama battle, but this is a big one here. So we'll, we'll go kind of piece by piece. I'm just curious first, though. What order are we going in? Well, here's what I'm gonna ask you. How many are are decided in your mind? How many teams Ooh. do you think are just like, there's no battle at all? There's no conversation. No battle at all? Or do I think it's decided? No battle at all. It's decided. Whatever that, I don't know whatever that means. Just just that like you don't even think of it as a thing that is worthy of being discussed. Hmm. It's just, it's just okay. settled science at this point in the SEC. How many are that? Okay, let's see. I got a count. I got at least five. That are settled, no question? Uh, I think so. Mm, 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 mm. I'd say this is great podcast. Well, you know what? You didn't tell me. You, I was gonna have to count. <laughs> but you're a big calculus guy. I'm no quantum not a guy. <laughs> you're a big quantum quantum physics. I'm also guy. not a guy. <laughs> yeah, but you say, whatever. I know, you I use the it. phrase. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, I I think I think I've got four. I didn't actually like. I haven't which, all which, of them, but I had which, which four. Which four are not even. They're not even up for debate. Settled science. Mm, let's see. Arkansas, not a quarterback battle. KJ Jefferson is the starter. Not a battle. Right. Mississippi um, State. Mississippi State. Will Rogers. Not a battle. And some of them are not. A, uh, Spencer Rattler or South Carolina. South Carolina. Spencer Rattler. Not a battle. I mean, I don't think Vanderbilt has a lot of options. <laughs> so. I've got him down. I've got him down here. AJ Swan. Not a battle. <laughs> Not a battle. Not a battle. Um, that's is that four? That's that four? four. That's four. I got at least, I got one more, and then I've got like three almost settled. So Kentucky, um, Kentucky, Devin Leary, done. Okay. I don't think there's a battle there. Here's and the then, three. Here's the three interesting ones that are probably settled. And I have I, LSU. I, LSU, I think, is probably settled. Settled, but could go. You mean could skew? If yeah, if uh, well, if Garrett Nussmeyer has an extraordinary whatever offseason spring camp summer camp could he challenge for some time with Jaden Daniels maybe mm-hmm. unlikely but maybe yeah um Texas A&M I talked to somebody in college station today and I said is what percent chance is that Connor Wigman is not the starting quarterback for Texas A&M is there anybody like Max Johnson anybody else involved in this and they were like no Okay. No, 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 no I'm chance. Not that he's not shocked by that. So almost settled science, but not quite. And here's the last one. Tennessee, I believe, is basically settled with Joe Milton. However, it would be a really good sign for Tennessee if Nico Iamaleava, the true freshman five-star number one player in oh, America, cool. actually unseats him during spring or summer ball. That would actually be, I think, a sign of that he is just that great and that you can't keep him off the field. Yeah, that one to me was just a matter of time, of how much time, not necessarily it's inevitable, but that is there enough time for if there is, that if Nico does have enough talent, can he can he do it? There just, it he just needed time to prove it. I just, um, I just don't yeah. think you're, I don't think a true freshman is ever. I, that's, that's Tim Tebow means. didn't start as a true freshman. Yeah. You just the non the ability to not simulate or the inability to to simulate what's happening in a yeah. SEC game environment specifically Neyland. I mean, well, Tua, you need time. Tua didn't start. 
as a true freshman. I don't think Bryce Young started as a true freshman. I don't believe. Um, this would be a different conversation if he had a year yeah. of SEC play under his belt, potentially, or even just a redshirt year. Like mm-hmm. again, Tua got a lot of reps as a backup. I think he, I think he threw for like 200 yards against Vanderbilt in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, as a backup. Um, here the other one that's interesting is Auburn. Auburn might by default going to bring that up. It might by default already be over. You know, could be. I mean, we talked a little bit about Auburn last week, but why are you saying that? Um, because I don't think Holden Garner like fits into Hugh Freeze's system. There's no real other players on the roster. <laughs> uh, they tried like hell to go out and get quarterbacks, but Robbie Ashford's the only one left, really. And he showed some signs of life, some 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 dynamic ability to to run and throw with the football down the stretch last year on a bad Auburn team that was kind of crumbling around him. So I, I think that one's that that one feels like it's settled. I also feel like there could be an addition to Auburn like at another time of the year. There could just like all of a sudden in June, we're going to be like, oh, this guy's now at Auburn or July. This guy's transferred into Auburn and all of a sudden like there's a quarterback battle. You don't have someone in mind for that? No, not not specifically. I think I think Hugh Freeze would take a a concrete block right now to put in the competition. Yeah, I agree. He was trying um... everything. We talked a little bit. We talked a little bit about Robbie Ashford. Was that last week? A little bit. And I mean, keep in mind. I mean, Tank Big, Tank Bigsby. God, I can't talk today. Um, had a was a very powerful weapon for Auburn, and because there were a lot of things crumbling, like you just referenced, Braden, um, keeping the ball in a in the secure hands of someone like Tank made, you know, that was kind of a default for Auburn um, with everything going on in their system. But Robbie Ashford has the mentality to do – He had, his head is where it would need to be, I think, to become a great SEC quarterback. Um, we just need – he's going to need a little bit more time and probably some more weapons, a little bit of a stronger offensive, you know, system around him. I, I do think he just kind of fits – like I, I think he fits into that system. I think it's what Hugh Freeze wants from an athlete. He clearly is w- wanting to to acquire other options, right? But <clears throat> I don't think that there's anything. I don't know. I think that that he he fits into what Hugh Freeze wants to do. Yeah. And and I and I think that 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 means Auburn at least is starting at a baseline of somebody that's not only been there, knows the roster, knows the campus, knows the community, but has like a baseline of like a certain like pretty solid level of talent. Like this is not a nobody. This is not a scrub. Like this is a guy that's got great athleticism, a pretty live arm, and he could fit into the system pretty well. So I think you're starting off, if you're Auburn and you end up with Robbie Ashford, I don't think you're like super dis- like disappointed by that. I don't think um, so either. Uh, I The other one that's really interesting to me is Missouri. And this Brady Cook, of course, started the entire season. They get to a bowl game with him. Throws for almost 3,000 yards. Wasn't exactly elite, but he's also injured, and he is out for the spring. And I have – here's another one. Today, I have been told by someone in and around the program that they would love Sam Horn to step up and win the job. How about that? Really? Did they give you a reason about stuff that they've seen that we haven't as to why that would be the case? He's a he's a much higher upside player, four star kid, two sport star, baseball, football player, just a great athlete. I mean, he was a much higher rated recruit, like just a the ceiling is much higher with Sam Horn. So I think the key is is that Horn and the other kid um, uh, Garcia is going to com- they're going to compete in the spring because Brady Cook is out, and they're going to battle it out throughout the course of the year. 
in the offseason until Brady Cook comes back. And then it could just be an open competition at that point. Or if neither one proves it, then Brady Cook slides right back into the starting role. So I, mm. I, I, I was interested by the commentary coming out of Como. I thought that was interesting. Do you think that the rest of that Missouri is in a place where because, you know, the, the quarterback switching around, same thing, we t- not the same thing we talk about in the offseason, but, you know, people coming back from injury or, you know, people coming in late for other reasons, like sometimes that works best if an offense is already somewhat established and you can give a little room yeah. for not necessarily error, but also for changes to be made and like the playbook to be built around somebody. Do you think the rest of Missouri is heading in a direction where they can support that kind of switching? Um, well, I think there are some nice pieces there for Missouri. Obviously, Dominic Lovett transfers to Georgia, one of the top receiver prospects that transferred in the entire portal. You know, Luther Burden's there, the five-star. They still got some nice stuff. Like, they got some pieces there to work with on offense. Um, But I think, I mean, don't you always want the young upside, like, prospect to win the job? Like, isn't that sort of, I mean, if all if all things are considered equal, right? Yeah, I mean, I think for the longevity of like being able to build something around them, I mean, I mean, it's a good story for the onlooker, but it's also good for the program because you actually get some stability that you can, you know, use for more than a year or two. And, and worst case, you've got a backup who started the entire season, led you to a bowl game and played like even the year before that a, a little a tiny little bit. So uh, it's not a bad situation. It's a good situation, I think, for Missouri. Um, obviously the, the defense took major strides last year. The offense sort of needs to show that Eli is, you know, that offensive guy that we right. talked about, um, the Florida Gators, uh, by the way, J.E. Dunn, J.E. Dunn.com. Go check out J.E. Dunn. Great career opportunities. Check out the website right there. Click on the little button careers, uh, and check out all the wonderful and amazing places like Frostproof, Florida. Did you look that up? No, I didn't know. I told you that's a real place. I, that, that is. But Walla do you Walla. know that they have jobs there? Oh no, I don't. I, no, I no. I, I'm assuming okay. Jay Dunn. No, Jay Dunn does not have jobs in Frostproof, Florida. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think so. Well, don't mislead people. I don't. I don't know how close Frostproof is to a major metropolitan area, so they might have a job within driving distance. Maybe if you want to live in Frostproof, Florida, and commute to a nice office and work for a company that loves you as much as you do, Jay Dunn, JayDunn.com. Did you say Frostproof? Frostproof, Florida. There you go. Um, Which is hilarious i think <laughs> it's only 56 miles from orlando so no allegedly <laughs> allegedly so not anywhere near any major metropolitan area um all right speaking of florida so jdunn.com so graham mertz you know i think what's interesting is that jack miller graham mertz the two transfers mertz from wisconsin miller from ohio state is they're kind of similar they're, they're similar in size similar in build uh very dissimilar unsimilar dissimilar Dissimilar. That's what I thought. Dissimilar in experience level. Uh, Mertz has started, you know, 30 games almost at Wisconsin. His um, yards per attempt, touchdown interception ratio, yards per game has all gone up all three years of his career at Wisconsin. Played in a garbage offense that with no weapons, no good coordinating, like not designed to throw the football at all at Wisconsin. Um, Miller, of course, from Ohio State. A nice, nice player. Has some nice size. I think. I kind of think Mertz gets a bad rap in all of this because of the whole Jaden Rashada thing from last week. So I think Mertz is actually not a, like this is this is a four. These are both four star prospects for Florida. Mm-hmm. So it's not. I don't think it's as empty as people in Florida are complaining about right now. Do you see them trying to add somebody else in that 
window that window possible after the spring. It's it's possible. Uh, I do think again, kind of like I mean, Robbie. If Robbie Ashford is your starter at Auburn, I don't think that's terrible. If Brady Cook is your starter at Missouri, I don't think that's terrible. And I think if Graham Mertz is your starter at Florida, I don't think that's terrible. Yeah. I think you could do a lot worse in college football than those three guys at those three places, all of which have large pluses and and maybe not as much upside as some of these other guys we're about to talk about with like Georgia <laughs> or right, whatever. Right. But like Florida, Missouri aren't stock and Auburn haven't stockpiled five-star quarterbacks, which is partly why there's a new coach in Florida and Auburn, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Ole Miss, we talked a lot about last week. I don't know if we need to. Do we need to rehash the Ole Miss situation? I mean, we can maybe mention it, but we did go into pretty. We went into a lot of detail last week. Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard, all very pretty good options for Lane. And, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be an open competition. So I told you last week, hot take, Walker Howard could start. Watch out. Yeah. I mean, just the – that not only is there a difference sometimes with the experience that – SEC players have in terms of the size of the linemen that they're like going up against, like the speed of like some of the guys, just a lot of different factors, but um, just having a familiarity and having played a team before a program before, um, you know, coming from somewhere like LSU, there is an upside to just knowing what the different environments are like. And even if you haven't taken a bunch of snaps during the game, just to have been there before, it does help. Not to say that Oklahoma isn't, and you know, where Spencer Sanders is coming from isn't a crazy environment, but it's not LSU. No, but Sanders has started 43 games. Howard started a lot of zero, experience. I'm zero. just saying in general, if someone yeah, yeah, had yeah, come yeah. from LSU, yeah. like a SEC school to have the experience where as someone who played in a different conference, like there is an advantage to that. No, no question. And Dart started most of last year uh, right. for, for Ole Miss. So he's got a leg up in terms of knowledge of the system and everything. So that 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 is still like it almost never fails that just Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin is going to be in super, super interesting. If not for the fact that the two premier programs that have dominated college football for basically the better part of the last, I don't know how long. I mean, if you throw in Clemson, it's basically Georgia, Alabama and Clemson have dominated college football for the better part of 10 years. And both Georgia and Bama, who both could be the favorites to win both divisions, I would argue when SEC Media Days is here in Nashville this summer, by the way, uh, I am I would bet that uh, like they're both going to be picked to win the division and they're both going to have wide open quarterback battles. Now, we will talk about it. Travis Ryer is going to hint at and allude to a singular thing about Alabama, and that is the ability to attack the field. vertically down the field with with the passing game um does Jalen Milrow give them that is he so athletic and so solid around the line of scrimmage and in the short passing game that they don't need that otherwise my conversation with Travis that you're going to hear here in a minute I it, it screams Ty Simpson in my in my opinion but that's just that's just my projecting right now so are we saving that so we don't spoil it well, I don't know. What do you think? Like Milrose, the guy who played last year and won them the Arkansas game, won them the A and M game. Uh, he's very dynamic player, big arm. I just Simpson. I think the five star is just a little bit, maybe more accurate down the field. Yeah, I mean, I don't dis. I don't disagree with you in the sense that the accuracy factor I think is huge for Alabama going into this season, as we saw not only on, 
on the offensive side of the ball, but on both sides, a lot more. It's all it's relative sloppiness, but it is sloppier than what we're used to seeing from Nick Saban and the Tide. So I do think that accuracy and trying to eliminate some of those mistakes and a lot. I mean, when I say mistakes too, I'm not just talking about accuracy from quarterback position. I'm really talking about. I mean, and obviously you lost Bryce Young, but I'm talking about penalties. Just all around, Alabama's game wasn't as clean as it traditionally is. Yep. So for that reason, among several others, but I do think the accuracy factor does give Ty Simpson like I wouldn't say a leg up but definitely a fighting chance for sure yeah it's gonna be really really fun and interesting battle and again Bama's closer to LSU in the preseason projections than Georgia will be to Tennessee or anybody else in the east so a much bigger decision I think for Bama and not as many options with Milrow and Simpson versus Georgia who's got Again, like the entire lax bros of, of Johns Hopkins competing for the starting job. Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, Gunner, uh, Gunner Stockton. I guess what's interesting about that, Aaron, is I would assume, don't you think if we get into camp and it's settled, who's number one, who's number two, or at least who's the top two, wouldn't you, I would, wouldn't, I would not be surprised if one of these guys transfers out over the course of the next six months, right? Yeah. You cut out for like just a second. Are you still talking about Alabama? No, no, no. I'm on to Georgia, man. That's Carson, what I thought. I thought I lost something there because you cut Carson, out for a second. Carson, Brock, and Gunner. God, so basic. Along with Stetson. What are the female equivalents to those names? Karen. No, Su- that's Susan. This is like. No, the, you're thinking like. Oh, 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 oh! So like those are too t- old. Like, like like Tiffany. Yeah, like Tiffany, Kristen. Tiffany, I'm not gonna say Kristen. Love you, sister. Love you, sister-in-law. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, Tiffany's a good one. Um, <laughs> Tiff- Tiffany's all I got. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's enough. <laughs> give me some. Give me some. Give me two other Tiffany's. Tiffany. <laughs> I mean, is a- Ashley's too mainstream of a name? Yeah, right? I would say like Tiffany Kirsten. Kirsten. <laughs> My crazy college. Is Kimberly? Is, Ki- is, is Kimberly there? <laughs> Uh, Kimberly could be, I feel like Kimberly's lost some basicness over the years and maybe like, God, I don't know. I'll come up with something. You just, you just don't get the same, like girls' names don't get the same, like, like bro attachment. The only thing that gets attached to a girl's name, in my opinion, is, 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 is stripper. And like if, like if you name your daughter Cinnamon, if you name your daughter Bubbles, if you name your daughter like a food. Roxy. Like, I I think there's a good chance that, like that he's Roxy, that, sh- that she's gonna get judged. Yeah. Or if chastity. you name your kid, if you name your don't chastity. name your kid Chastity. Chastity is standard great. too high. They're gonna rebel against you, and you know what it's gonna look like. <laughs> Chastity's a million percent right. <laughs> but like, if you name your kid Gunner, uh, like he's gonna get labeled as a bro. Like it's just gonna happen. Yeah. And this is not. This is no knock on you, Gunner name Stockton. Brock. Yeah, Brock's not not. Gunner Stockton, the four-star, 6-1-2-20. Look at us transitioning right back into a quarterback there battle. Brock Vandergriff, of course, the five-star. This is his third year in the program, probably the most mobile of the group. Carson Beck, though, it screams Carson Beck because he's this is a guy who, unlike most quarterbacks in college football, a highly touted kid who has sat in the program for three full seasons as a backup to other guys and has bided his time. Uh, again, 6-4, more of a pocket passer, but like I guarantee you, he probably runs Todd Munkin's system better than the other two guys, and, and he's and he's kind of earned his shot. And I wouldn't be surprised if they won another national championship with Carson Beck. How about that? Yeah, he definitely is more of the 
traditional fits the traditional profile yep. of someone that you think would fill um, that position at Georgia. Um, obviously, Stetson Bennett was not traditional, but worked out just fine for him. Um, yeah, it, 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 this is this is an interesting one just because they are all over the board in terms of experience and, you know, being different from what Georgia's used the past two years to win national championships. Um, I think there's a, a lot of promise with, I, I mean, I think, I mean, that gets the job, right? <laughs> I, I mean, that's again, if I was gambling, I would gamble on like Carson Beck, Ty Simpson, Jackson Dart, but there's, I think again, Brady Cook would be the bet. Graham Mertz would be the bet. Robbie Ashford would be, would be the bet. But like, there's no way that every one of these favorites wins the job. There's going to be an upset somewhere. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Like that. That's... I mean, yeah. I guess before we move on from from Georgia, the this is best case scenario to have somebody that physically fits the profile for them that has you know when in a system that's already worked for somebody that wasn't traditional. And so that's, th this is where we start seeing, and this is not to say, I am not discrediting sets and Bennett at all here, but Georgia's entering that phase of the system works and people are talented. People can be, and should yep. be talented at that position, but it's going to elevate the people that take that quarterback position because of the sound nature of the rest of the offense. You can kind of start to plug yep. people in and it's going to work better. It's all, it's what we think of when we think of Alabama and it, that oftentimes that doesn't give those credit, those quarterbacks who have filled that position enough credit, but it, this is, this could work with several different people. Yeah, there's no question. And if a walk-on can win two national championships, then what would a four or five star do with, and, and, and again, I, I think to your point with stability, like Todd Munkin right. is the stability. Alabama doesn't even have stability right now. Right. Like they they're they're trying to figure out what they're doing, and uh, that's a perfect well, segue got, here. And you've got fresh, and you've got a freshman coming in, and to be the understudy yep. of the program that yep. already is really talented. So it's yep. a good setup for Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Georgia, good shape. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be fun. <laughs> Georgia, good football program. Um. Uh, all right, so good that football. that leads us right into what the hell's happening in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he Travis Ryer answered so many great questions. Uh, so I'll give you some feedback on that. And I got a couple of nuggets for you, but not until after the interview. So here was our conversation with Bama Online. That's from 24-7 Sports. This is my conversation with Travis Ryer. Travis, welcome to the show, man. Great to see you. How are you, sir? I am great. How are you, Braden? I'm doing well. Uh, I, before we get into some of the details and Nick's hiring processes, the process, always a big part of any Alabama conversation. Uh, I, I'm curious, like, the, the, it seems like the two stories that you can tell about last year's Alabama team were that Bryce Young got them out of a lot of trouble and they could have lost three or four other games and they weren't as good as no, a normal Alabama team, you know, sort of measured against itself, which is what Nick does every every day of his life, basically. But there's also this other story that is they're two plays away, literally, from being in the SEC championship game and undefeated. Where do you think reality is? Like, what what is the true story of last year's team with those two sort of ends of the spectrum? I tend to go with you are what your record says you are. <laughs> and so, whereas you can go on either side, as you outlined there, Braden, and you can talk about the two one-point losses to two good teams, um, Tennessee really good with Hendon Hooker, obviously, and Joe Milton, they weren't bad either in the Orange Bowl. But, you know, at the end of the day, LSU was a four-loss team. So you can kind of argue that that wasn't one of those teams in the past 
that has beaten Alabama, right? You think about elite teams, although we've seen South Carolina creep up on Alabama teams like that. It has happened, Old Miss in 2014 and 15. Um, I, I think it's in the middle. So, in other words, I, I think they were who they were. I think they were a 10 and 2 team. I think you're absolutely right. They could have lost in Austin, could have lost to Texas AM at home with its backup quarterback. And of course, Alabama was playing its as well. Um, went deep into the fourth quarter with Arkansas. So, yeah, I would say they were a 10 and 2 team. That's essentially who they were. <laughs> How about that? A sound, rational, logical opinion about <laughs> Alabama. How about that? Um, the the quarterback, I, I'm curious about the offense moving forward. Obviously, there's going to be a quarterback battle, so I'd like you to sort of handicap the quarterback battle to some degree. But but also, is there a chance that they are better sort of across the board on offense outside of quarterback? Like, are the wide receivers going to be better, the offensive line better, the running game better? Obviously, some of this depends on uh, you know, what the system looks like in terms of schematics, but is there a chance that the rest of the offense around the quarterback will actually improve in 2023? I don't think they have a choice uh, because they're not just going to roll the ball out with Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson and say, go win 12, 13, 14 games for us. Like they were able to do with Bryce, even this past season, they have to be not only on offense, they have to be much more complimentary in what they do on offense. They got to run it to throw it. They got to throw it to run it. They can't just put it all on one guy. I don't think they can anyway. Maybe Milrow or Simpson will prove out to be that type of guy this year. I could see it more so maybe for that player in 2024. But when we're talking about 2023, I think they've got to be much more complimentary, not only on offense, but that was about as bad of a complimentary football team as Nick Saban's had. When you throw in special teams, defense, offense, think about the losses. You know, well, the offense would pick it up maybe in the fourth quarter. Then the defense couldn't get off the field. Right. You know, then you had a breakdown in special teams in some games. It just didn't, it, it wasn't that typical Nick Saban, all three phases, you're not getting a break for 60 minutes. You could get a break or two with this team uh, between the offense struggling for stretches or the defense giving up plays at critical times. Um, so they, they've got to be, if they want to be back into the college football playoff discussion, I don't think they have any choice to be. And I think they can be, I think the running back position, even with Jameer Gibbs moving on has a chance to be a real strength should be better at wide receiver because the guys you're bringing back were better at the end of 2022, um, offensive line, JC Latham, probably a three and out another one of those guys at offensive tackle enough on the interior coming back. Um, so I, I do think they have a chance again to across the board, be better. Do you have a, an early favorite at quarterback in your mind? I really don't at this point. Um, I, I think it's just going to depend on again, how they want to go about it, um, across the board with their offense. I, I think Nick is never going to look away from the potential for explosive plays. He loves them like every coach does. And so if there's one of these two guys that can throw the football in a way that can maximize what they have at wide receiver, that guy's probably going to have a leg up because I don't think he wants to go back to 2016. You know, they made it to the national yeah. championship game with Jalen Hurts as a true freshman. They could run the hell out of the football, which was great. Um, but then when they needed it, and look, Jalen still made a huge play in that game. People forget about it. The touchdown run there late <laughs> before Deshaun goes the length of the field, that gets lost. So that's not to you know bury Jalen because he gave Alabama a chance to win that game. 
late in the fourth quarter. But just as far as balance and being able to maximize personnel around the quarterback position, uh, I, I think if it's even close uh, in terms of athleticism and some of the other things, it's going to be the guy that they can access the full yep. realm of the passing game with. It sounds like Ty Simpson to me. Um, so, <laughs> so could be. Funny. It's funny you mentioned that because, like, I think for people forget that Jalen Hurts led them on a national championship game-winning drive. Like, that would have been a game-winning yeah. drive on his resume for a national cha- championship, if not for like a spectacular drive by by Deshaun. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the offense the last couple of seasons, forty plus points a game. I think they're twenty-four and fourth. Bill O'Brien, you know, Pete Golding, the defense. They were top twenty, top three in the SEC, top five in the nation this past year, but basically top twenty in every major category every year that he was there. Um, they're going to replace a couple of guys on defense, but like, is there, I don't, I, I can't remember a situation and maybe it's just the Alabama standard that, that, that Nick Saban has set that those two guys just sort of quote unquote, maybe weren't good enough for like elite Bama status. What do you make of the, the coordinator shift? Um, the coordinator, both of them leaving it, you know, there, there's, is there more to it than, than what we, that meets the eye on these guys? Like obviously the fans have mixed reviews on these guys as well. Like what, what happened with these two guys? Because the numbers are pretty good. Yeah, you know, you're right. Numbers-wise, they're not bad. Um, you know, Pete came in. He was a co-defensive coordinator to Tosh Poy in 18. And from what you hear from people back then, he pretty much by the end of that season was having to be the play caller and handle those duties for LaPoy. So uh, four years technically, but really five if you include 18 in that. And, um you know, I think it was a good getting off point, though, for both these guys. I think with Bill O'Brien all along, it was probably a two-year commitment, two-year deal. Um, I, I think he wanted to get back to the NFL. Um, I think he would have had opportunities to be a head coach at the Power Five level if he really wanted to pursue him, like Georgia Tech. He just, I don't think, had much of an interest in taking on that type of project. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's sensible, I guess, the best way to describe it. I think both areas of that football team during the 2022 season came up short. I think that maybe Alabama offensively went into 2022 thinking, well, we got Bryce back. We added Jameer Gibbs. He's going to give us some explosiveness out of the backfield that we didn't have with Brian Robinson even. Um, Got Jermaine Burton in here. Um, uh, You know, so they thought, I think, that in the passing game they wouldn't be all that much different than they were in 2021 they ended up being a little bit different for sure um so i think it's a it's a good getting off point for both i think you know it's interesting i think pet patriots fans are thrilled that o'brien's coming back and old miss fans were happy to to get golding i think alabama fans are fine with going different <laughs> directions in their own right the, the very rare win 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 for everybody yeah. uh in college football so take us through saban's hiring process certainly Jeremy Pruitt is a name that we all know. He's he didn't burn any bridges there. Uh, there's certainly some NCAA issues, maybe some SEC issues with him being allowed back into the fold a little bit. Doesn't seem like that's a problem for Saban as as much as it is for sort of outside forces. Will he be allowed to recruit? But sort of take us through the process here because this is running a little bit longer, and I'm I'm curious what you think about the decision making. Well, take us through Saban's process of making these moves because he's had to do it basically every year for the last ten years. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's similar to either what happens at some other places or what fans or people on the outside believe is how it goes down in a lot of ways. You know, I think uh, the last couple of days you've heard names mentioned not only with the job, but 
the interview process, Ryan Grubb of Washington being among those. And so I think a lot of people hear that and go, well, that's the guy. But the reality is Nick brings in multiple guys and it's not a process from what I can gather and talking with some people who've been through it, maybe more from a positional perspective than the coordinator standpoint. But I got to think it's similar. Um, You don't just go in and sit down in Nick's office for an hour and, you know, kind of talk football or get up on a grease board or, you know, those type of things. From what I understand, it's a day long type of situation or close to it where, you are integrated into the staff to kind of get a feel for the vibe with you as a part of that group, the dynamic. Um, and there's always going to be other factors in play. I mean, a guy like Ryan Grubb, if he's getting $2 million, um, at Washington, which it appears he is per year, when we, when we understood that his name was very much in play, that's where it got a little difficult to believe that this thing could push all the way through with him because I just didn't envision Nick Saban paying an offensive coordinator in excess of $2 million a year. That's, that was where a little bit of the falling out. And look, you know, it's good for both parties, Ryan Grubb, you may bring him in and it may become clear that, yeah, we think you're great, Ryan, but this is the Alabama offense (laughs) and you're going to put your stroke on it. You're going to have your little brush here and there. But it's still going to be, from a fundamental aspect, the offense that Nick Saban wants in play. And, and I, I, would, I would totally understand any guy, especially an ascending candidate, thinking, you know, right. I'm in a good spot. I got Michael Penix back at Washington. Um, yeah, I think we'll be okay. And, and on the, the defensive side, is there something to the, we're waiting to see what happens with Jeremy Pruitt, is it, or is it? He's just still going through the process, in your opinion. Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously, if Jeremy were available like he is and didn't have the baggage that he has right now, this would have been done. I think Jeremy Pruitt would have been the slam dunk choice and he'd already be in place. Yeah. Obviously, it's not as easy as that. So I think they're working through some guys. Um, we understand they've got multiple candidates uh, for these openings uh, expected to run through Tuscaloosa since really, you know, the recruiting window really closed Sunday night leading up to signing day. So it feels like you're seeing more of a rush here in these next few days as far as guys actually in the building for some of these jobs. So it, it's still unfolding, um, but there are always there are always in-house candidates to consider, too. I think Todd Grantham is legitimately one of those guys, the <laughs> What three-time SEC defensive coordinator, Louisville too? You name it, Todd's been there. Yeah, and, and all of those fan bases will tell you all about him. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, if, hey, but if Todd Grantham is your last place, worst you know case who else scenario, will tell you all about Todd yeah. Grantham? His accountant. Todd's done well. <laughs> yes, he has. Yeah. You can yes, be an analyst has. at Alabama when you sign that that nice extension at Florida, and it goes straight down the drain, right? Look, if you're worst possible, pay you. yeah, if your worst possible case scenario is Todd Grantham, you're 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 all right. Yeah. Um, all right, in general. Should LSU be favored in, in the West this year? That, that is going to be a debate we have on shows like this for the next six or seven months. Who, who is the who's the better team heading into 2023? I was in on LSU this last season. I wasn't in on them to win the division, but I knew the kind of roster that was going to be in play and what Brian Kelly was putting together and understanding that there's some semblance of stability between his ears. I figured year one could be a really solid year. Um, I, I think they will be the favorite. I don't know if they truly are the favorite. I think 
there's a lot of cachet in a win over Alabama. And so just with that, a lot of people are going to say, well, they're the favorite. Well, what about the loss at Texas A&M late in the season? What about the three other losses on top of that? I don't think a lot of people will go that far with LSU. I will say again, though, from a roster perspective, just like I felt a year ago, if that's where you go with LSU and making them the favorite, I get that. If you look at Alabama and say, look, the game's in Tuscaloosa, that's the tiebreaker for me. I'm going with Alabama. Yep. There's a lot of ways you can look at that with those two teams. And, you know, none of us are wrong in the preseason because <laughs> if we are, we don't really talk about it in the postseason. That's oh, the beauty at, of it. Hey, at, at, being at Athlon Sports for 15 years, we have to talk about it uh, all, <laughs> all, all postseason long. There's no question about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because like the quarterback situation is a little bit more stable. I think the key for me, honestly, is that Brian Kelly is closer to Nick Saban than anything that anybody else really has in the division and that anything LSU has had mm-hmm. in, the pa- in the past, honestly. Yeah. And this is this is also a textbook year for Jimbo to go like 12 and one okay. or something, because there's absolutely no expectations of right. the Aggies and right. what roster they have left will still if they can stay clear of injuries and other issues, they could still be there. Um, and, and, and Lang is still going to have a quarterback. You know, you know that. And he's going to have pieces on offense. Um, but no, I, I, I agree. I, I, I trust Brian Kelly more, yeah, exactly. put it that way, yeah. than any other coach in the LSU, in the uh, SEC West, not named Nick Saban. I, I do think you've, you've covered this beat a long time. I do think that Nick Saban, like the, the the demise of the Alabama dynasty has been written so many dozens of times and it's been wrong every single time. And I still think it's going to be wrong this time. But with a big caveat being, again, you've been around this a long time. I don't think I've ever seen the collection of sort of um, the programs around Alabama in the SEC being as on solid footing as we've ever seen. Like the, the depth of this conference today, I think is is better than I've ever seen it in 20 years of doing this, in my opinion. Well, and that's before you consider that he gets Tennessee every year now. I mean, he nuked Tennessee right out the gate. In 2007, when Alabama and Tuscaloosa took care of Tennessee, and then the next year went up there, and that was it for Phil Fulmer and the Tennessee program for yep. the next, really, 13 years. And now, now <laughs> coming from the East every year, he knows he's going to have to deal with that. Tennessee fans has something to do with that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And the people um, in and the people in charge. <laughs> yeah, intrepid. Yes. But uh, no, I think um, I think you got to take that all into consideration. Uh, yeah. There's just not the gimmies, and and give Nick a lot of credit for that. He created a lot of the gimmies because when he came back into the league in 2007, it wasn't um, it wasn't a it wasn't an easy place to get it done at that point, and. Uh, uh, he kind of made it that way for himself for the next 10 years or so. Well, speaking of being wrong, I, I remember you and I back in like 2007 joking about uh, the, the entirety of Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama thinking, you know what? It, he'll be there for a year, maybe two years. Uh, <laughs> if he ever, if he, if he even takes the job and uh, that, that was not what happened. <laughs> they so. got him at the right time. I mean, you think yeah. about it. He had already, he had been at LSU had won a national championship by all accounts, loved being at LSU, but had to do the NFL thing. So he gets that out of his system. He's not going back to LSU. Alabama, give the late Mal Moore, the former athletic director at Alabama, a lot of credit. He knew he had to make that hire, and he got it done, and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, the amount of things that could have changed the the course of the entire 
you know, oh, landscape, yeah. landscape of college football is really is really astonishing. And how about uh, Rich Rodriguez at Alabama yeah, right, instead right, of Nick Saban? Right. Or now he's at Jacksonville State, just down the street. He, or if he signs Drew Brees instead of Dante Culpepper in Miami, oh, like you can just, that medical. Don't ask Nick any time about that medical staff with the Dolphins. <laughs> right. Well, Travis, thank you so much, man. We do appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Nice catching up with you, man. And uh, obviously, uh, have enjoy the off season. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Braden. Appreciate it. That was Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, of course, from 24-7 Sports. I've known that guy a very long time, and I remember having a very distinct phone call with him where he called me uh, in 2007 because I had been saying all along, like, no way Nick Saban comes to Alabama, and if he does, he's only going to be here for a couple of years. And he called me in, like, the day before he got announced, and he was like, Saban's coming to Tuscaloosa, and he's going to be here a long time. And he and I, he has never let me forget that one. Uh, big L on my part on that one. Wow. And I think, and before we get to like, before we get to a couple of nuggets on the coordinators, I think one of the interesting things he said there, because uh, you and I have talked a lot about this, Aaron, like what is Alabama in 2022? What were they? they? They were a couple of plays away from losing four games, but a couple of plays away from being undefeated and playing in the SEC title game. So like, what really are they? And I think <laughs> Travis said it perfectly. Well, like they, they are what their record says they are which is 11 and two, like not elite, but not bad at all. Pretty damn good. Also, the not... fact that we're saying 11 and two is not elite. Is right. Crazy. Right. For, for Bama standards. Right. Yeah. But I think all that's right. true. Like they just were a very, very, very good team close to elite, but not they weren't. So I think it, <laughs> so... I think it would. Yeah. For them to be. The odds, I think, between the two scenarios you just presented it would have been, I don't know. You can almost see them. I can't see that team having gone undefeated. I think they were closer to losing another game than they were to winning two more. I, and I would, and I think I could, that's the beauty of the argument is that I've in my it's, head. It is correct. Right. Like in my head, I have tried to convince myself, like, what is it? Is it, are they, were they three plays away from being a four loss team or are they literally, literally like two drop passes. If the, if the, uh, if, if LSU's tight end, Jason Taylor's kid just drops a two-point conversion. Bama wins the game. If Jameer Gibbs doesn't drop the pass against Tennessee on like second down or whatever that was, they're in field goal range and they make the field goal. Like it, it is, they are literally two plays one way or four plays the other. And you try to convince yourself which one is it. And then you like, you're like, oh, oh they're a two loss team. Oh, they're just a two loss team. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause let's say, let's say the AM play happens and they lose that game, but then they, they don't. They make the play against LSU. Well, we're right back where we started. We're a two-loss team. Well, and there were little so. mistakes like we just mentioned, like things that are sloppy on Alabama for Alabama yeah. standards leading up to those, you know, almost winning or losing a game that would have made the difference earlier in the game than, yep. you know, yep. at the very, very, very and, end. And, and Travis alluded to that as well. So, all right. Pre appreciate Travis Ryer uh, uh, joining us there. Bama Online, of course. J.E. Dunn, J.E. Dunn.com. All right. Which you've all been waiting for. Here, here's what I can give you. I can't give you all the deets. I can't give you all the, what do they call it? The tea. I can't give you all the tea. The tea. <clears throat> as they say, as the kids say. Um, I, I, here's the best I can do, and I'll let you pry on this if you want. Okay. There's more to Pete Golding leaving Alabama than just football. How about that? Ooh. That's all you're going to. That's all what? I'm going to give you. <laughs> Does it have to do with being. Is it okay? Just tell me. Is it a direct? Is it a direct one-to-one -one 
personality to personality, this isn't working. No. Is it? <laughs> is, he in is he in trouble? Um, not yes. really. Not really. No. Like not. Why, like he with, hasn't been like. Not like with the law or his wife. Well, that's a good start for him. He might. He might have some personal issues he needs to work out. <laughs> okay, so he's probably misbehaving, but he's still married and he's not in jail. Well, no. So I'm already getting too close to. I'm already getting too close to comfort for for this because okay. because okay, it is don't, not. Don't, don't abuse relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I'll stop asking questions. Let's just let's just say, like first of all, let's just say the lifestyle of head coaches and assistant coaches leads to self destructive behavior. Let's just okay. say that in general. In high general. stress too. So very oh, and working for Nick Saban, I'm sure is so easy. Um, Who. Working for Lane Kiffin, a little bit smoother and easier, but closer to Tunica. Anyway, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Much closer. Uh, so here, here's one. Here's one for you. Here's another one. I think, and 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 uh, Travis already alluded to this, like uh, to to some degree, and I think this is out there that Jeremy Pruitt would probably be the defensive coordinator already at Alabama, if not for. X, Y, or Z potentially getting in the way, which could be the NCAA. It could be the SEC office saying, Greg Sankey saying, eh, I don't know about this. It could be, uh, again, the NCAA, he's got a hearing or a trial or whatever with the NCAA coming up. It could be Nick Saban waiting to see what kind of show cause, if any, Jeremy Pruitt gets on this. Yep. Um, he's also got a lot of other great options at both offensive and defensive coordinator. Um, but that Pruitt is, I, I mean, that Pruitt is very much at the top of Nick Saban's list. I, I think is is sort of what I can what I can say. How about that? Yep, that's fair. I won't push you anymore because I kind of. Yeah, you kind of already got too much out of me. Sorry. <laughs> but that's why you that's why you listen all the way to the end. You listen yeah, all the way to the true. end because Aaron's going to get me to say some shit that I'm not supposed to say. Yeah. So there well, you I hope go. You don't get in trouble for that, but it's nah. intriguing. No, nah, it's intriguing. All right. Um, all right. We appreciate everybody for hanging out and listening. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Go to uh, jdunn.com and check out the website. If you want a great career opportunity, go check them out. Of course, the YouTube page as well. You can get to Aaron Ware. The Aaron Dugan on Twitter and Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. There you go. Don't knock on doors when you're intoxicated at 6 a.m. in Dallas-Fort Worth, everybody. Just a small piece of advice. That's all we're going to say. Universally true, that advice is. In all cities, too, not just Dallas-Fort Worth, but in all yeah. cities, walking around inebriated at 6 a.m. knocking on doors, not always the best idea, just mm -hmm. across the board. But yes. still better idea than operating a vehicle. <laughs> yes. So In that situation. You can get to me at Braden Gall at 440 Sports and follow us on the Instagram at 440 Media. There you go. Yep. All those good places. Uh, have a great yep. weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. We got some cool stuff planned for you guys, so don't go anywhere. We got lots of off-season content, lots of creative stuff coming for you, coming your way. So again, the YouTube page, the social accounts, and share the podcast. We do appreciate it. For Aaron, I'm Braden. Thanks, thanks for Travis hanging out as well. Thanks for listening. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Bye.